Great. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. First of all, uh, it's great to see you guys. I was so excited about just the opportunity to come back and I just had so many wonderful memories as I was driving up the hill, driving onto the parking lot. Beautiful, beautiful times. So thank you for the privilege of being here with you today. Um, I want to share something today uh, really about the one thing every disciple must do. And this is a non-negotiable. And I think that as we walk through today, you're going you're gonna to understand what's really important in this life. And uh, there's a lot of good things that you can do, but I can tell you this, not all good things are equally important. There are some things that really matter a whole lot more than others. And so we're going to look at that today. Uh, the one thing every disciple must do. So that's the question. Uh, and I'm going to give you the answer even before we get started. All right. So the one thing every disciple must do is follow Jesus. So what's the one thing every disciple must do? Follow Jesus. And you're going to see by the end of this journey just really how important that is. So in Matthew chapter 4, uh, I'm going to read this passage and then I'm going to walk through some of the things I think that are important. And then we're going to visit a few other places so that you can kind of get a sweeping view of why it's so important to follow Jesus. So Matthew chapter 4, starting with verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, they saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us through this word and that you would just get everything you want out of us. Get it all. I pray that there's nothing left, Lord, uh, in this life that we have not given to you, that you are so worthy of. I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters and just a joy to be back here with them, uh, worshiping you. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith and you are worth every bit of praise and and worship we can give you. You are worthy. Lord, we just pray that you would guide us through your word and that we would be better for it, better equipped to face this world and to be the salt and light that you would have us to be. And we ask this in your name and for your glory. Amen. All right. So a couple things about following uh, the Lord. I think here I just want to point out. It says, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. You know, a lot of times we think that, you know, these special events may be the, 
where everything is breaking loose, but really God does his, his work just in regular everyday life. And it says here that as Jesus was walking by the sea, you know, uh, he saw two, two brothers. You know, it's really as we're going through life is when it's important to uh, be sensitive to God's moving in our life. And so uh, from one perspective, we need, to, we need to see this as a good example of Jesus to follow, that when we're going through our everyday life, we need to be looking for other people that we can point to Jesus. I would say that's a good uh, model to follow for sure. And it happens when everything is ordinary. There's nothing that stands out. There's no bells or whistles. There's no lights from heaven. There's no sounds of singing angels. You know, it just feels like everyday stuff when you're in the midst of it. And then sometimes you get on the backside of that ordinary moment and you recognize God did something here. And sometimes you're not even really fully aware of it until later about the impact that 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 moment, that encounter had on your life. And so here was one of those everyday moments. It just simply says that as Jesus was walking, he saw two brothers. And so I want you to think about it this way. You know, as we're going about our everyday life, there's opportunities that to do the Lord's work, to work with the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's work in this world. And it happens as we're going from here to there. And I would say, you know, from my journeys and thinking about this whole idea of how do we make disciples, which is I've spent a lot of time um, reflecting on, is that the reason perhaps that when we're going places and doing things that we're not as aware as we should be is we're not going there to meet people. We're going there to do something, buy something, or eat something. You know, it's usually why we're going someplace. And that's on the forefront of our mind. And because that's on the forefront of our mind, and maybe just the immediate, you know, is blinding us from the people around us so that we don't even really see them anymore. And I think that's perhaps a part of the dilemma here. But he sees them, and I want you to just take notice of that. And it says that as Jesus was walking by the sea, he saw two brothers, Peter and uh, Andrew, right? Now, he here's a question that's worth considering. What causes you to see someone that you would have normally overlooked? What is it that causes us to see people? And perhaps, why don't we see people? I mean, we are literally, in this world, we are surrounded by a sea of people every day, right? There's just so many people. There's people on the road. There's people in every store we go into. You know, everywhere we go, we're surrounded by people that for the large part, we don't even see. And so I want to draw your attention to a passage that I think is helpful to um, just contemplate about what causes us to see people. And it's in uh, Matthew chapter 9. If you want to, you can either write it down or go over there. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, this is what it says. It says, Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages. So there he is again. You know, he's going throughout all the towns and villages. And we need to be thinking about, you know, going about this life more like Jesus went about this life. That as we're going about this life, God is going to have opportunities for us in everyday moments. And so he's going from towns and villages. We would uh, probably translate that now probably like we went from this store to that store you know or we went from this neighborhood to that neighborhood that would be more of what it's like and so um, 
but he says, he went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, and healing every disease and sickness. And then it says this, when he saw the crowds. When he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them. And I think there it is. There it is. You know, we see people we love. We see people we love. You know, coming up here, I saw people out there. I saw the kids playing. I saw the leaders working. And I'm like, this joy filled my heart. You know, you see people you love. You know, but think about this. How easy is it to walk by somebody you don't know without even a thought? Right? It's just super easy. We do it all day long, every day. But Jesus saw the crowds differently. He had compassion on them. And that caused him to really see them. And he saw you. And he saw me. He sees us. Love will peel the blinders off your eyes and allow you to see the people around you in ways that you didn't see them before. He saw the crowds. They were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. How often do we see people and we want better for them than where we see them? Often we see people and we just want to gripe about what they did. You cut me off in traffic. You know, you, you cut line, whatever, you know. We're, we're not really, you know, maybe having the right perspective about, you know, uh, at least the perspective that Jesus is modeling here because those people were just like us. They we're quick to complain and, and uh, very super needy and all that kind of stuff, and he sees them differently. And I just want to point out this, that when he saw Peter uh, and his brother Andrew, he saw them. And so take a moment. Take in the moment. You know, you might be at Starbucks. You might be wherever you are. Like I, I met, uh, when I stopped by at Starbucks today, Priscilla, who was behind the, the counter serving me. Somebody's serving you. Somebody's doing something for you. You know, and that person is there because God wanted them to be there. They didn't decide they were going to show up one day. You know, God knit them together in their mother's womb. And God has a purpose and plan for their life. That alone is worth our attention. To be present in that moment so that we don't just rush by it and miss the opportunity that God has for us. It happens in everyday life. And it happens when we begin to see people and love them. And then it says that he saw these brothers, and uh, I'm going to work through this, and you guys can just follow along here. So he, he encounters these brothers, and he sees them, and they're out there in the boat, and he says, he says uh, come and follow me. That was a personal invitation. That was a personal invitation What's the one thing every disciple must do? All right, one more time. Oh, there was one really sharp person here. All right. <laughs> the rest of you have fallen asleep. All right. So uh, he asked them to follow him. You know, for a long time, I, I didn't really, I was really focused on the, the other part of that. And that he said, I'll make you fishers of men. But this, the fishers of men is actually a secondary issue that is totally dependent on the first thing. You can't become a fisher of men if you don't follow first, right? So the first is to follow Jesus. That's the first thing every disciple must do is to follow Jesus. And then he can make us whatever he wants us to make. 
that's, that's an important thing to do. But you don't pursue the career. You pursue the Savior. You pursue Him. And then he, He's the one that makes something out of us. And He can do whatever He wants. And, what he, and here's... That, that's really it in the grand scheme of things. You know, is are you following Jesus? And it's not really about coming to church. It's not about doing stuff. It's at the end of the day, are you or are you not following Jesus Christ? That's it. And then it says, uh, He will make you. He said to the brothers, I'll make you fishers of men. There's something really cool about this. Because Jesus doesn't see you just for where you are. He sees you for what He can make you to be in the future. And that's a beautiful thing. And He calls us not just to stay where we are, but to follow Him and pursue what He would have for us, that potential out there. And here, we know, the re- you know, we know a lot about Peter's story, for sure, right? You know, we, we know about his confession. We know about his faults. We know a lot about Peter, for sure. Um, we often forget about the first council in Acts chapter 15 where the, the last words of Peter are recorded. And it has to do with salvation. And he says, it's all about Jesus. It's not about Moses. It's not about the Ten Commandments. It's about Jesus. What's the one thing every disciple must do? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. And then He'll make you more than what you ever imagined. You know? I mean, He really will. He will. And then it says, going on from there, He saw two other brothers. And they were in the boat with their dad. And uh, by the way, um, when Jesus called them, what did they do? Let's stop there for a second. They followed, right? Immediately. Somebody said that word, immediately. You know, that's, that's very interesting. You need to take this in. How do you know about God's timing? How do you know it's God's timing? And I would say it like this. The moment God speaks to you is God's timing. He's not asking you to think about it. He's not waiting for a response next week. He's not giving you an opportunity to process it. You know exactly what He's asked you to do, and the time is now, right? That's how it works. And it said that they followed Him immediately. And that's beautiful. That's like the wind right there. Then going on from there, He sees two other brothers. They're in the boat with their dad. And He says, I want you to follow me too. And it says what? And they left immediately. They left their dad in the boat to do all the work. Right? Oh, see, dad, Jesus is calling. Right? <laughs> could be kind of fun. You could have some fun with that. <laughs> I think the main thing is that you understand that Jesus is calling. I, I'll never forget this. When, I, when God put his call in my life, I talked with my dad. And uh, my dad said, oh, Warren, don't go in the ministry. It's a hard life, and you're going to be poor. <laughs> That's, I mean, like that. He's just like, I'm going to give it to you straight. This is it. This is life. It's a hard life. You're going to be dealing with people all the time that are unhappy. 
and you're not going to make any money. But I was like, Dad, I can't not do it. Can't not do anything else. He said, do anything else. I'm like, I can't. I'm going to follow Jesus. You know, God's not afraid to ask you to leave the people you love to accomplish His work. You don't always get to stay. You don't always get to do those things that you want to do. Sometimes you have to do a lot of things that you don't want to do. That is not really your first priority. But you do those because Jesus Christ asked you to do it. And you know how you know He's Lord of your life? When He asks you to do something and you do it. Regardless of how you feel about it. They didn't go into counseling. They didn't do a bunch of stuff. They just actually went and did it. You know, I have, uh, I'm part of this martial arts thing in uh, uh, the Anaheim area, and I've been on a mission trip. I'm about to go on another one with this group of, of uh, martial arts people. And uh, they're, they're a unique group. They have Bible study after they beat each other up on Thursday nights. <laughs> That's true. I get beat up and I go to Bible study. I'm like, I need to forgive my brother, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> But uh, one of the beautiful things I, I love about just being there is just how pure it is. There was uh, uh, the pastor who's, uh, his name is Joffrey, he's Filipino, wonderful, beautiful man, servant of the Lord. He, uh, he told these two, two young men to say, hey, there's a, another guy that needs to be baptized and uh, would you guys go talk with him? And they're like, yeah, we'll do it this week. And I'm like, there it is. That's it. When the Spirit of God speaks, you just go. You're not wrestling. I don't know what it is about we have to tell stories about how we wrestle with the Lord. Like, we're going to win that match. That's not happening. You know, that's ridiculous. You, you ought to know that by now. You know, just do what He asks. Because you have no idea what He has on the other side for you. You have no idea. And they did leave their father. They left him in the boat, and they left him to his work. And they went and followed him. And they were with him. Now, I want to compare and contrast their response to um, Matthew 19. It's also in Luke and Mark. They tell the story about the rich young ruler. You guys know about that story? Know somewhat about that story? After our time together, it, it might be worth your while to go back and read all three accounts. Because I'm going to kind of summarize some things about this. So, uh, this young rich ruler, good man, like really top shelf guy. He comes to Jesus and he says, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So what's the question there? This is an eternal life question, right? So do not lose sight of this when you're thinking about him. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get eternal life? And Jesus says to him, First, he says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. The implication is, I am God. And sometimes we miss it when we're standing in front of it. And he says, well, you know the commandments. You know, honor the Lord. You know, uh, obey your father and your mother. Do not lie, cheat still. He's, and then he says, oh, I've done all of that since I was a boy. I've kept all of them since I was a child. And uh, then Jesus says to him, there's one thing you lack. 
Now, what is the question here at hand? This is an eternal life question, right? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is looking at him, and he's saying, there's one thing you lack, meaning this, and this is important. He doesn't have it. He does not have eternal life. He is lacking eternal life. There's one thing you must do and that you, you're lacking right now. Go sell everything you have and come and follow me. What's the one thing every disciple must do? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Now, a lot of people, I think a lot of Christians look at this guy and they have sympathies for him. They say, here's a good man. I'm telling you, if this guy, if you knew this guy, you would respect him. He would be like a, a businessman in the community that everybody loved and respected. He would come in and he would fit right in here at church and everybody would, would, would like him. They would just see him as one of them. He's, he's been with them. He keeps their commandments. He goes to uh, synagogue. He does all the things that a good person does. And this is what Jesus says. Being good is not enough. Now, pow, right? Living a good life does not equal you and I possessing eternal life. You only get there one way, and that's to follow Jesus. Now, here's a good person, and this is a great argument for people who are saying, well, I hope I did more good than bad. It has nothing to do with that. Now, let me point this out. Think about another person in the Scripture that is just, has lived the opposite life of this person. He lived a poor life his whole life until his last moments. And that's the thief on the cross. Didn't live a good day in his life. And while he's dying on the cross for what he deserved to die for, he's looking at Jesus and saying, I've never seen anybody like this. Hey, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. What did he do? Absolutely nothing. He wasn't baptized. He didn't live a good life. He didn't tell anybody about Jesus. He did nothing except ask Jesus. And there it is. The one thing every disciple must do is to just put your life in Jesus' hands and to follow him, whether you get a moment or whether you get a lifetime. It's about following Jesus, for sure. And that's a beautiful thing. Because sometimes we can make it about so much other stuff that doesn't matter. And it's not about all that stuff. It's really a singular focus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. He's the one, the only one that matters. And I want to talk about just a moment about all of those that we find ourselves perhaps our train has ran off the track. We used to follow Jesus. We got busted up by the world and broken down by the world. And then how do we get back on track? And I want to just point out um, Peter in John 21. In John 21, this was after uh, Peter denied him in the most fundamental ways. Peter said to him, I don't know him and I'm not with him. You can't deny Jesus any more profound than that, right? And that's where Peter was. The most boisterous of followers was 
exposed. He was exposed for what was really in him. And that is, sometimes our talk is so much bigger than what we actually execute in our life. But you know what Jesus did with Peter? After all that, and Peter said, yeah, I'm just throwing in the towel, I'm going to go back to fishing. Jesus went and looked him up. And he said this, Peter, do you love me? And he said, oh, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he asked him two more times, Peter, do you love me? By the third time, Peter was, he was hurt. You know, you know all things. And then Jesus told him something he didn't want to hear. Jesus had already been crucified. And he said, Peter, and the metaphor was given like this. Um, when you're old, people are going to take you by the hand and lead you to where you don't want to go. Meaning this, you didn't want to go to the cross, but you will be taken there. He spoke about his death. And then when he did, he immediately shifted the blame or shifted the focus and he said, well, what about this guy? He pointed back to John. What about him? Often that's what we do when Jesus is dealing with us. We just try to divert, you know. Let me think about something else. Let me point my finger on somebody else. Listen, there, here's a, there's a very important point in here. Comparing yourselves to other people will not get you to where you need to be. You can't be worrying about what Jesus is going to do with somebody else. You need to be worrying about what Jesus is doing with you. And so that's what Jesus says. Jesus tells Peter, what is it to you? If I cause him to live until I come back, it doesn't matter. And then he says this to Peter. Peter, follow me. You know how a backslidden believer gets back on track? The same way they got there in the first place. You just lay down all the junk of this world and you just follow Jesus. And then he writes a great story. A great story. You know, here's a fisherman. Now think about it. How many of you would think about an unknown fisherman mending nets back in ancient biblical times? You would have no reason to think about such a person, much less remember their name, much less know anything about their story. But here's one of those fishermen that you know quite well. And you know him quite well because they decided to do what mattered most in life. And that is simply follow Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together today. Your word is good in every way. I pray for my brothers and sisters here, and I pray that we would do what matters most, and that's follow you. Father, some of us are beginning our journey. Some of us haven't even started yet. Some of us have broken down along the way, and we need to get back on track. Some of us are comparing ourselves to others and using that as an excuse not to follow you. Father, we see ourselves as good people, like the rich young ruler. We've lived a good life. What more could you ask? 
And some of us are like the thief on the cross. I've just amounted to nothing. And you're our only hope. Jesus, I pray that no matter where we are today, that every person in this room would clearly understand that the only thing that matters is that we follow you. We ask that you would lead us through this time of response, that we might do that. And we ask it that our response would be pleasing to you, that we'd be thoughtful, that we'd be considerate of your word and your Holy Spirit. And we'd be willing to leave it all if that's what you call us to do. Go where you want us to go. We just give our lives and just want to do it better. We ask this in Jesus' name.